Amen. Y'all may be seated. Thank you for being here this morning. You're in for a special treat this morning. I'm going to ask my brother to go ahead and make his way down here. Uh, Rogers and Rachel uh, are members of our church, and they probably have traveled further to be here uh, than most of us because they came from the other side of the globe, uh, Kenya. And uh, they, uh, what a blessing it is to see uh, Rogers and Rachel and, and uh, Nate and Ben uh, to be with us this morning. But uh, in 2012... Um, they uh, traveled from here, uh, sent out from our church uh, to Kenya. And uh, he, obviously, uh, Rogers is from Kenya, and, uh, but he uh, was, uh, went to school at Mary Hardin Baylor and uh, got a degree there, and they went back and they've uh, started uh, the Maisha Kamili uh, ministry there in Kenya. And uh, God is doing some amazing things there. And um, when I found out they were coming, I, I wanted to give him uh, time to share what God is doing and what God is doing in their life, but also uh, to share God's word with us. So uh, he, he's, he's going to bring it this morning. But uh, I hope that you will warmly welcome my brother from another mother, um, Roger. We have the same father, um, but uh, we have a, a, a kindred spirit, and what a blessing it is every time we get together. But God bless you, brother. And uh, I'm praying for you. Where should we begin? It's coming up to 10 years in March. When we stood here, and God's people surrounded us as you were sending us away to Kenya. Because we were responding to what God has laid down in our hearts that we should go to Kenya and be a ministry to those kids who have no homes and anyone to help them to go to school. So as I said, it's coming to 10 years in March of 2022. And God is still working in Kenya. So if you're expecting me to say what we're doing in Kenya, you're so going to be disappointed because we are not doing anything in Kenya, but we are just there to witness what God is doing. So if you allow me briefly, I will show you a few things that God is doing in Kenya so that you can have a visual for, for some of you that have never been there yet. And then maybe I will ask you and invite you to one day consider actually putting yourself in the same ground that we step on every day. And finally, I will challenge us from the real deal, the Word of God. So if you would uh, put those few slides up there. Oh, there, I'm looking there, sorry. We are the Maisha Kamili, meaning full life. That's a small Swahili lesson for you this morning. Maisha is life, Kamili is full. So because it's Swahili, it's kind of backwards. 
Instead of saying kamili maisha, we say maisha kamili. But it means full life. What we do, or what God is doing in Kenya through the ministry of Maisha Kamili, we got beautiful faces of children who needed help to go to school. Because if you didn't know, education in Kenya is not free, even though they say it's free. You gotta pay to get education. Thank your mom and dad here if they give you an opportunity to go to school. Take it seriously. Somebody across the world, they wish they had that opportunity and it's not there. So unless somebody steps in the gap for them, they won't see the classroom. Today, as we are here, we got four in primary school. 29 in high school, and 14 in college. Eight have successfully gone through the ministry of Maisha Kamili, and as I'm talking, they're standing on their own. They're in the working world, making their own money, supporting their own families. And of course, we got those who didn't want to go to school, like, I hope not one of you. So they dropped down the way. So today, we have to 78 kids since we moved to Kenya with the ministry of Maisha Kamili. This was a Christmas party. At the end of the year, we invite all of them to come together so that we can celebrate the joy of Christmas which of course is the story of Jesus and a lot of eating good stuff. So that was a Christmas party. With, with this food, everybody's happy. God blessed Maisha Kamili with a drilling rig from Texas Baptist Man a few years ago when we were here. We were able to drill one well, which is saving lives. Memorial Baptist Church, when Ridge and Joe and Monica and Jim came to do Experiencing God weekend, you blessed us with money to drill two boreholes. We started drilling a borehole with that money that you sent with them, and when we were down to 60 feet, the drilling rig broke down. I've been into all these shops in town and in the country looking for spare parts. We can't find any. Yesterday, we had the blessings to sit down with the people that donated this rig, and I was so relieved to hear that we were not the first ones who broke the equipment. <laughs> it, was, it was always on my shoulder that, oh my goodness, we broke this thing. What is this? But when I was sitting with the president of Texas Baptist Man Water Ministry yesterday, they said we had the same problem in Sierra Leone and another place I don't even remember what they said yesterday. They said this equipment is not strong enough to drill through those rocks that you guys are encountering. That means what? There is an opportunity for us to step up and buy a rig that can break the rocks and have water for those people. 
as I'm talking here, the area where this borehole is, the place is totally dry. Since I was born until now, I have never seen mother and everybody else in the community planting crops and harvest nothing. And when I mean nothing, I mean nothing. I prepared seven acres of land for my mother because mom can't go to the farm again. The doctor said, no, no, even though she's fighting to do that every day. We planted corn. We didn't harvest a single grain of corn because there is no rain. I come home and talk to Rachel. I said, you know what? Maybe this is the time that that life skills center out there should start doing something. And somehow God gave me four guys. This guy in uh, blue pants is my baby brother. The other one is my nephew. We said we need to construct our own greenhouse and see if we can grow something here because it is unbelievable dry. So unless we come up with things like irrigation and not depend on rain that comes from heaven because it's not raining, this little community has nothing to eat because we depend on rain and we grow corn for Ugali. Those have been in Kenya, that's a step of food. And if we can't grow anything, that means life is in danger. So we started growing, uh, we started building our own greenhouse, but we realized we didn't have the right materials because the sun is so much and we ripped down all those nets you see up there. That means again, it gives us an opportunity, God's people, if we can trust God to provide for a greenhouse, that way we can start growing vegetables and anything that we can sell for this community to have food on their tables. Being a boy who was raised in the country, I remember seeing my mama raising, we call them ducks in Kenya, I don't know what you call them here, and we call them ducks and chickens. So I challenged my four guys and said, you know what, how about if each one of you could bring four, five chickens, then we can have, there's five of us, we can have 25. And the idea is to start raising chickens so that these chickens and ducks, they can produce eggs and we can sell the eggs and get food to eat. Today, I'm happy to say that we have 60 chickens and 10 ducks that we have them out there. Well, the reason is, uh, we found ourselves, I told Rachel, this is where my heart is. I'm going to do what it takes, whatever the Lord leads to bring a change in this community because they need help. I can't sit in Kilifi and people out there are in trouble. Kilifi, we have been having rains where you came, this place is super green. Sometimes I'm so jealous, I wish there's an app in the phone that could click and say share or send the rain over there. I can't do that. So out there, we got that going. Those are chickens that my team and I, God helped us to build. We are hoping and trusting God that we can build more chicken coops. We're looking to raise up to 200 plus chickens so that we can substitute that with the growing of corn, which is not growing anymore because all the trees were cut, people making charcoals to get food. There is no rain. 
What is this year? We continue uh, carrying on what was passed along to me by my brother from the other mother. I like that. He discipled me in one of the classes there. We did Master Life. No, it was across the, uh, the Great Hall year. And we took Master Life to Kenya. We realized in the Kenyan churches, they have been there for years, but many people are not willing to grow. This should tell you that you can be a Christian for the rest of your life, but you have to choose to grow. Nobody is going to drag you to, like, pull you around so that you may grow. you got to make the choice. So those people that are willing to be discipled, we help along with those. I'm here to report that I have one of the best class in the world. Why? One of those students is my own brother and my nephew. And I can't fake anything to these guys. They know me like the back of their hands. So if I tell them Jesus is real, they need to see Jesus is real, not because I said it. You know, if you go on a mission trip, you can tell people whatever you want to tell them because they see you for the first time, they don't know you. But when you live with the people, they know when you're upset, they know when you're happy, they know when you're faking things. In this class, we, <laughs> I can't fake it. One of the guys come from a Muslim background, and he said, can I also join the class? Now we are doing Experiencing God, where I did Master Life. I said, sure. And as we were talking about uh, the relationship with God being real personal, the guy said, why don't the other people here talk like this? I said, I don't know why, but you're welcome to come and walk the journey with us. One of the other guys is not even a Christian at all. He's not a Muslim. He's not a Christian. He's just there. And he said, you know, it surprises me because if I walk to a church on Sunday, they're going to turn and look at me as if I'm out of place. But you, you're just accommodating everybody. Why is this? What is wrong with you? I said, probably there's so many things that are wrong with me. But the truth is I realize my life is a given and I have chosen one thing, to live only for the one who gives me the breath of life every day. Because if he leaves me alone for one minute, I'm done. I can't give myself even a single breath. If I breathe like this, and he doesn't allow the mechanism to, I'll be out. So why should I worry so much if even that simple exercise of breathing in and out, I can't do it myself? So I invited them, and we are having fun experiencing God together. It's a relationship that you got to choose to be in there. I can't make you. I wish I could. I would grab a, 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 a stroke of the can and cause everybody here to be disciples, but that won't be coming from your heart. So those that are willing, we help them. When the, the team came 2019, uh, to do experiencing God with us in Kilifi Church, I was blown out. Joe asked me, how many people do you think can come? I said, maybe because it's in the middle of the week, maybe 20. I was wrong. They kept coming and coming. I had told my friend, can you make lunch for 20 people? And I kept calling them back, can you add some more? And finally said, like, I'm just going to cook. We ended with a hundred and in the middle of the week. My thinking and Rachel were like, because it's a working day, maybe 20 people, 30, the max. No, 
God had a bigger picture than we did. The Kilifi Church, Pastor Shedrach, says thank you for choosing to come and help us to experience God. This is the, all the information. If you wanted to know anything about my Shakamili, those Facebook lovers like my wife Rachel, you're welcome. You can go to Facebook and find my Shakamili there. Uh, those of us that uh, we are used to writing, sending a card or whatever, the information is there. With all the small details, like what does it take to help this child do this, we will be on the back today. We're not going anywhere. We're here today. After lunch, we'll be here with you guys. I was invited for thanks. It's called what? Thanks Fest? And you know that I like to eat, so I'll be here. You can ask anything about my Shikamili. We'll be so happy to answer then. Why do we come? Do we come to give you updates on this? Absolutely not. We're coming back home to celebrate what God is doing the other side of the world, and you are there with us. We come and share the opportunities that are raising, that they are coming, and challenge God's people to continue doing what he's telling you to do in regards to response to him. You don't have to respond to what I say. Please respond to what God says to you. I might ask you to come to Kenya. You may not want to do that. But if he says, could you go to Kenya and be an encouragement to Rachel and Rogers? My friend, you better say yes. Because if you say no, the word is disobedience to God, not me. So if I invite you and you refuse, it won't be a big deal. Okay, maybe they don't care. But when God says, I need you over there, you better find your passport. Now, if you allow me, I would love for us to look at God's word and see what it says for us today. That way you don't go home and say, oh, he talked about what is happening in Kenya, and he didn't say anything about what's happening in God's word. Let me say this. We Christians have a tendency of talking things and not taking them seriously. We use the church lingo and we don't sit down and think about what we are saying. The first song we did here this morning, he said what? Anybody can yell the word for me? Christ alone. Christ alone. What does that even mean? Why Christ alone? Are we to compare Christ with something else? So today, I want us to read a very simple psalm that everybody knows it. Psalm 23. I know you can say the first word until the last one. Right? But then I want us to really walk really slowly and just maybe spend the whole time I have in the first one verse. You're like, what? Yeah, that's what I just said. So open your Bibles, if you may, to the book of Psalms 23. And allow me to poke, like poke you a little bit. That way when you don't see me again in two years, you can still remember. Not really. Just kidding. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Of course, I said you can read the whole psalm if you want, right? Because you already know what he says next. But because before you can go to the second line of the second verse that says, He makes. I want to spend a great deal of time right now to find out who is this Lord that David is talking about here. Because before you can claim that he can make you lay down, who you have to know who he is. If you say Rich Adams is your pastor, do you know what you're talking about? Do you know the man Rich? Does he have the credentials to be a pastor of this church? Can he get the work done? So when you say, the Lord is my shepherd, who is this Lord that is qualified to be my shepherd? Or do we just read it and go? Because, you know, I love the psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I will lack nothing through the valley of the shadow of death, blah, blah. No! Who is this Lord that David is talking about here? Because if we cannot understand and identify who this Lord was, then it doesn't matter everything else that the Psalms say. And have you wondered how many times in all the Psalms, David will say, the Lord is. Who is he? Can you identify him when you see and say, that's the one that David says the Lord is. Because if you read your Bible, you realize John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the the sins of the world. He knew who Jesus was and he could say, there he is. So when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, who is he talking about? A little history lesson. David was a shepherd king. He grew up from the family of Jesse. They used to tend sheep. So he knew what it means to be a shepherd. He was the son of a shepherd. And later on, he became the shepherd king of Israel. So when he says, the Lord is my shepherd, he is talking about something he knows. But who is he talking to? I think if you read your Bible and you go to Psalm 78, 52... He's referring to Jehovah God, the God of the Israelites. Because there, God himself says, I will lead my people. God himself is searching for his people to lead them out. And he led them in the wilderness. So when David is saying, he is my shepherd, he's referring to Jehovah Jireh, the God of Israelites. And probably he remembered when I was tending my father's ship. And this lion and bear came in 1 Samuel 17, 31. Uh, 1 Samuel 17. This is a good story there. Uh, the story of David and Goliath. David is recounting. I'm taking care of my father's ship out there. A lion comes. God energizes me. I rip this thing off. A bear comes and I do the same thing. So this Philistine dude here, who is 
bringing headaches to the armies of God, I will take him down because just as God was with me then, he's going to be with me today. He's referring to Jehovah God. He knew him. There was a thing there called relationship. You can't claim that Pastor Ridge is your pastor if you have no relationship with Memorial Baptist Church. Right? I'm a father of two. Nathan and Ben cannot claim that I'm their father if they don't realize and recognize that actually God used me and Rachel to bring them to being here. It's a little about sorry. Who is this Lord? Do you know him? Who's there by the way you read and go? Because for David, he knew exactly what he's talking about. And then you come to the New Testament, Jesus confirms this statement and he says, I am the good shepherd, John 10. In the book of John, he, he gives the parable of the good shepherd and he says, those who came before me, they were thieves and robbers. But I am the door of the sheep. I walk in and the sheep, they come to me and they walk in and out and they find pasture. Now, I want to pose another question here. Before I can claim all that Christ is doing, who is he? Because if you're missing this connecting piece here, everything that Christ did is not applicable to you. Everything that the God of the universe is doing and has done, if there's not a relationship between you and him, you're out. Doesn't matter how many times you sat here and you listened to my brother preaching. If there's not a relationship between you and Jesus Christ, so that you can say he's the son of God, he's the savior of me and everybody else who puts their trust in him, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that it's not true. Christ still is the savior of the world. But is he your savior? It doesn't mean that it's not true. Christ is the one who takes away the sins of the world. But is that applicable to you? Have you come to a point and realize and recognize that he is the only one? The only one. But what about, no, 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 there's nothing like what about. He stated it clearly. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, come to me, I'll show you the way. He said, I am the way. Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father, who, and he is the only way who has the ability to forgive sins. Is this applicable to you? Because if it's not, you're still looking outside the fence. You are not part of the saved ones yet. So David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's referring to the God of Israel. Jesus comes and confirms and says this. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd does what? He lays down his life for his friends or for his sheep.
we have a small view of who really Jesus is. And because of that small view and thinking of who Jesus is, we, in most cases, don't want to recognize him as our Lord and Savior. We don't want to give him the right ownership of our lives. We don't want to let him have the authority he deserves. But if you could take a step back and try to think and remember what the Bible says about who Jesus is, maybe it could change a little bit. Could we read Colossians chapter 1? Maybe scriptures here can give us a picture of who this Jesus Christ is and what he did. Does he, maybe this is going to answer if he has the qualities and the, uh, and the abilities that we need to say he is the good shepherd. Paul is telling the church in Colossae, verse 15 of chapter 1, he is the image of the invisible God. The he is referring to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. Both in heavens and on the earth. And even if I don't have to continue reading the whole thing, I can stop right there. This scripture alone confirms that my existence here, if Jesus Christ did not create me, I would not be here. So he has the credentials to be my Lord and Savior. He has the abilities to be my, to own me as his ship. He has the ability to raise me up on the last day. Why? Because in him and through him, everything. So what is everything? It's everything, right? Is there a definition for everything? It's everything. Name it. Because you continue reading, says whether dominions, authorities, and everything it came to be because Christ wanted it to be there. He is the man in charge of the universe, if I may say so. But do you know him as the one who created you? Or is the Jesus that the church at Memorial Baptist talk about? Have you come to a point of claiming him to be who he is to you? Um, the Bible read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation he always portrays a God of love love, just like a, a father who loves his kids that's the relationship given in the Bible God is always portrayed as a loving father like just the way a parent would love his own kids 
Have you wondered? The God of the universe, the one who created everything. Let me give you a small example that when you think of these things, you, sometimes you start shaking. You walk out there, right now it's cloudy, but if the sun comes out, that thing is like way far, far away up there, but it's heat. That heat from that small star, which is millions of miles away from the surface of this earth, that heat sometimes is scorching. Right now, that heat is killing everything in that small community there. But did you know that that came to me because God said, let there be light? It just pops. Is that the right word to say? It just pops when he said, let there be light. And boom, there was the light. He says, let there be stars. A few days ago, there was meteor rise. Some stars were just falling. If you read the one uh, when to hit the ark in, uh, where is this place? Where is the ark? Um, is it Missouri? St. Louis, Missouri. And I thank God one day I, was, I climbed that thing. The stars, the moon, the sun, and even the other billions upon billions in the galaxies that we don't see, they just happen to be because God said, let there be light. And boom, it happened. (laughs) Knowing this then, that Jesus Christ is responsible for all these big heavenly bodies, humbles me. Why? He chose to create me so that he can have fellowship with me. He didn't choose to have fellowship with the stars now. He didn't go on Calvary because of the stars. But he went on the cross so that this... (laughs) I don't know whether you're getting what I'm saying here. He didn't die on the cross so that the stars can say, Hallelujah, God is good. No, he went on the cross so that you and me, after we had decided to go our own ways, we can be reconciled back to the original plan. Knowing this, draws me closer to him because I know I belong to him because he chose to create me not because he needed me but he wanted to have a relationship with me God doesn't need anything he is everything he has everything He doesn't need me to come here and say in Kenya, this is what he's doing. No. You read your Bible, book of Psalms 19, 1 and 2. Look outside the heavens. What are they doing? They are declaring the glory of God. We are flying from uh, Amsterdam to Houston. And my kiddos are taking pictures outside the, the, uh, the craft, the airplane window. And I'm like, oh my goodness, look at this world here. It's like a different world up here. You can't see the ground, and of course I can't see what's up there, but there's a clear, beautiful looking, whatever it's called, atmosphere, whatever it's called. And God 
commands these things just to hold it up there. He even commands the power of gravity so that he can hold things and then you can fly above that and not even fall. If I jump a little bit, I have to come down. Why? Because gravity pulls me here. But God can ask, can, can, he can hold it right there. There is not a stand which is holding the stars. Oh. But they're there because he said, let them be there. When was the last time a star fell in your house? It hasn't happened. Why? Because the one who is holding it there says, you stay right there. David here in the Psalm, in Psalm 23, he's not speaking as a shepherd. He's speaking as one of the sheep. And he's looking at the, the greatness of God and what God has done in his life. And he's like, I'm submitting as a king that the Lord is my shepherd. Are you still sitting here? Waiting for God to do something in order for you to recognize that he's God. That's too late. He has done enough in the universe. He doesn't have to do anything else to prove to you that he's the Lord. He went on the cross. How many years ago? Approximately 2,000 plus years ago. To die for a sinner like me and anybody else who's going to be born maybe 2050. His penalty of sin is already paid for. Is he not the good shepherd? He didn't ask. He didn't wait to ask for it. Hey, can I go on the cross and die for you and trust in your family? No, he did it even before you were there. Because he knows a good shepherd takes care of his sheep. He has every quality and every character that I cannot even imagine. But why did he do this? Because he loves me. Because he loves you. And all he does, he's inviting you to consider him as your shepherd so that you can enjoy that relationship that there is between the shepherd and his sheep. When I make the statement, the Lord is my shepherd, that means I have a practical working relationship with the God of the universe. I can walk, I can enjoy, I can, <laughs> I can see what he's doing, whether he in Memorial Baptist Church in Temple, Texas, or way over in Kenya, and I can come back and give a testimony of that, what he is doing. Why? Because I have a relationship that is real and personal with him. David in Psalm 8, he, uh, the psalmist here writes very touching personal thoughts. I would put them that way. He says, when I look at the heavens, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Who has displayed your splendor above the heavens? 
From the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. Verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work, the moons and the stars, which you have ordained, verse 4, what is man that you take thought of him? If God is the one who is holding all the galaxies up there, If God is the one who said, let there light and the sun is scorching and killing everything, some other parts of the world. If God is the one who created everything in this world, what is man that he thinks of? What does that make you feel? That the God of the universe is so concerned about you that he's going to send and give his own begotten son to die on a cross for sins he never did. If the creator of everything step outside, grab a handful of dirt, you're looking with your eyes, you're not going to see nothing. But go to the laboratory, use an electronic microscope, look at that stuff, you're going to see billions upon billions of microorganisms of which nobody knows what they do in this world. And yet, Jesus Christ made those who Sometimes I fall short and pray as if God has to do things for me. Oh, Lord, you know I did A, B, C, D. Who cares? You did what? You send those prayers as if you're blaming God because he's not answering what you want. God is not answering what you want. He's answering what things that brings glory to him. Amen? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the things that bring glory to him. Those are the things he pays attention to. If billions of micro, microbes, those tiny, tiny things that you can't even see, they are out there and they have a job to do. And even the greatest minds of this country, they don't know what those things do. They are there because God put them there. Doesn't that give you some goosebumps? You think like, oh my goodness, what am I? That Christ would go on the cross and die for me. He chose. Have you de deliberately like, put all intentionality to do this one thing? That's what God did in Christ Jesus, guys. He chose to shed his blood on Calvary so that me and anybody else who says Jesus is the Lord and Savior will be saved. He chose. I didn't choose. He, I was not there in that meeting. I was not there in that committee. And 
Even if I was there, maybe my contribution would be useless. But he chose to go on the cross because Hebrews 9.22 says what? Without the shedding of blood, there will be no forgiveness of sins. Jesus chose to die so that I can be free. Who is this Lord to you? Let me get out of here. Paul again reminds Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20. Do you not know that you were bought with a price? You were not on your own, guys. Somebody paid and this someone is Jesus Christ. That is why he is qualified to be my Lord. Do you see it that way? Or it's just the Jesus Ridge talks about and Joe because they don't have anything to say. It's all about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He died for you. He took the penalty that was not his. Second Corinthians 5.21 God made his son to bear that sin that he did not do so that you and me can stand before the God of the universe and say and be considered righteous. Not because of what we do. Not because we are in Kenya. No! Not because you guys go on mission trips. No! Christ took our sins. That way he can present us blameless. Because God does not entertain sin. And unless our sins are taken away, we cannot see his face. Amen? So from now on, here's the point, here's, the, uh, here's my, uh, um, I want you to have this, if you can forget anything. Just remember this one thing. Matthew 7, 21 to 23, scares me. Jesus says, in that day, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, in your name, we did A, B, C, D. But he would say, I did not know you. Depart from me, you people who practice lawlessness. Do you come here so that you check the box? I went to church today. I gave my offerings. I said, hello, Pastor Ridge. I went to do the feed the ship. When they're calling about mission trip, I, I mean, I'll give Joe some money so that I can go because he likes to go check the box. Uh, when they say yeah, there's a Wednesday prayer, I'm going to give so that I can check the box. Are you still checking boxes? Or do you have a relationship with the God who created you? Because that's what comes down to. God doesn't need your money. He needs you. Because he owns everything. Can we join King David today and say, yes, the Lord is my shepherd. And then if he is, now I can say, for he makes me lay down in a green pasture. He prepares a table before my enemies. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of God, 
no idea of what I'm talking about. Please talk to my brother. He will be happy to introduce you to the man Jesus Christ so that you can claim all the goodies that he has. Blessings.